We're continuing our sermon series this morning on uh, trying to make a New Year's resolution to deepen our faith throughout the next year, to deepen our work and our faith as disciples. And so we've been trying to give you some concrete things over the first few weeks of the year that you can do to try to deepen your faith throughout the next year, from reading scripture to praying for each other and taking leaps of faith, things like that. Today we're going to talk about the way we spend our time. We're going to be looking at um, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 13, beginning with verse 32. We'll be reading a few verses there. It's found on page 826 in your pew Bible if you'd like to follow along. But before I read that to you, I invite you to bow your heads and join me in prayer. Gracious and loving God, we come to you now with open hearts, hopeful to hear your word. We pray by the grace of your Spirit that the words we hear and the thoughts of our hearts will lead us to your will for all of us as your church and for each of us as your children. Dear God, we love you. We thank you for your love. Amen. So again, Mark chapter 13, beginning with verse 32. But about that day or hour, no one knows. Neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. So beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It's like a man going on a journey when he leaves his home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight or at cockcrow or at dawn or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. So my niece Olive just finished her first semester of kindergarten which means she also got her very first report card. Now, as you might imagine, Olive did very well on her first report card. She takes after her Uncle Brad. She's very smart. But you might remember those early report cards when you were in kindergarten. They weren't like the report cards we get later in life, like where you get A's and B's and C's for things like algebra or civics or history or any of those things. Our report cards when we're younger are more about competencies, about superlatives, things like Olive shares well with others. Olive cleans up after her center when she plays in her center. Olive works well with others. Olive follows directions. And just like her Uncle Brad, Olive did well in all of those things. But there's one area where Olive actually excelled where her Uncle Brad did not. Under the competency, uses time wisely. Olive got great marks, satisfactory, but when I was a child, I always got unsatisfactory for uses time wisely. There was always a comment, something like Brad always is talking to his classmates when he should be studying. Brad should not distract his classmates when he finishes his test. He should study quietly. Brad always waits to the last minute to turn his work in. He The most dreaded thing, of course, was we need to have a parent-teacher conference to talk about this competency. 
I never seem to use my time wisely. And my wife will tell you that I still have some work to do in that area. When it comes to birthdays or anniversaries, my wife will plan weeks, sometimes months ahead to do something so special, just right, to make it just the most special day, whereas I often wait till the very last minute throw something together, pull a card off of the, 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 play, the card stock in the, in the drugstore and just do the best I can at the very last minute. But I have learned as I have gotten older that it is important to use your time wisely. As the saying goes, the, the days may be long, but the years are short. And so we have to learn to use our time wisely every single day. That's a good lesson for us, and I think that's one of the lessons that Jesus is trying to teach the disciples in our passage this morning. Use your time wisely. This passage in the Gospel of Mark takes place close to the end of the Gospel. It's actually during the Holy Week uh, passages of, of the Gospel of Mark. Jesus has already come into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, ridden in on the donkey. He's already cleansed the temple, kicked the money changers out of the temple, and, and he's now telling about the destruction of the temple, and he is now teaching his disciples about uh, what is to come. And he says, stay awake, get ready. Because you don't know when the time will come. It might come at morning. It might come at night. Stay awake. Get ready. Or as maybe our Latin friends would say, carpe diem. Seize the day. This is a passage that sometimes is referred to as a, a little apocalypse. You know that word apocalypse from the book of Revelation at the, at the end of our Bible. Apocalypse means to uncover like there's a secret that God is telling us. And, and just like in the book of Revelation, something is being revealed to us in this passage. But in, in the book of Revelation, we often interpret that book in two different ways. As uh, Historians will often tell us that it's teaching us a secret, revealing something to us about something that happened in the past, something historically that happened in the past. While as uh, conservative Christians, maybe more fundamentalist Christians, will say, no, it's telling us about something that's going to happen in the future. But here in this passage... Jesus is trying to change the disciples' mind in the present. It's not just about the past. It's not just about the future. But it's about who we are here and now. It's easier for us to maybe think that this passage is revealing something about the past, revealing something about the future, because if it's about the present, well, we have some responsibility but if we can say, oh no, this is God revealing something about history or revealing something about the future, then we don't have to take responsibility for what we're doing now. And in doing so, we make a very grave mistake. For some people, like I say, they interpret it about something that happened in the past. Jesus is talking about what happened 2,000 years ago when He lived and died and rose again. You don't know when God is coming. You don't know when the kingdom is coming. And it has come through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's something very important about that and part of our belief that Jesus Christ was the new covenant, the most important covenant, the last covenant. And there's nothing that we can add to or take away from that incredible act of of life, death, and resurrection in Jesus. 
But when we think that this passage is only about the past, then we are committing a very grave sin of taking God for granted. The God who calls us to live and move and act now, the God who gives us grace, the God who gives us love, the God who calls us to respond even now to what Jesus Christ has done. We take God for granted when we think this is just something that happened in the past and not something that is happening right now. I'm going to give you an example. My favorite story about this was a a story by a man named William Booth who was the founder of the Salvation Army. And he had this dream one night about a, a minister who was standing on the shoreline of a lake. And out in the middle of the lake, there was a man who was struggling, drowning. And there on the shoreline, the minister kept yelling things like, God loves you. Jesus died for you. God loves you. Jesus died for you doing what he thought a minister should do, preach the gospel, share scripture. But while that minister was sharing, God loves you, Jesus died for you, another man, an unknown man, came rushing into the water, swimming out there, and pulling that man who was drowning in to safety. William Booth realized it was that second man who was sharing the gospel. It was that second man who was living the words of Scripture. It was that second man who was not just remembering the things that happened in the past, but living out that grace and love here and now. When we rest on the things that have happened in the past, we take God for granted today. God who calls us. God who equips us, God who empowers us, God who wants us to go out into the world courageously and be the hands of feet in Christ, be the citizens of the kingdom of God today. St. Augustine once said that the, the daughters of hope are anger and courage, anger at the way things are and the courage to make them the way they ought to be. We are called to live not as if our faith is something that took place in the past, but as God is living and moving and acting now. Living as the kingdom ought to be. But just as there are people who interpret this passage as something revealing of the past, there are others that think this is just revealing something that will happen in the future. That this is time to come. This is not something that's happening now. And so we've got time yet. And we make the other grave mistake of taking time for granted. As I said a few minutes ago, the days are long, but the years are short. And just when we think we've got more time, we realize that tomorrow is not guaranteed. How often have we thought, oh, I'll help that person tomorrow. How often have we thought, I'll pick up the phone and call that person next week. How often have we thought, I'll have more time, I'll have another chance. And now, all we wish we had was a chance for one more full hug, one more conversation, one more opportunity to try again. And that time is gone. 
Years ago, right before Julianne and I got married, one of the great gifts that we received was from a group of church members. They were called the Wit and Wisdom group of our church, kind of like our lunch bunch group that meets once a month. They were older adults who threw a big shower for us, and their gift to us was they each wrote little words of wisdom, little pieces of advice that they could share with us before we got married as newlyweds starting out together. Some of those pieces of advice were were fairly funny. Things like, little things like the toilet seat matters. Or, Brad learned to say, uh, yes ma'am. Julianne learned to say, I forgive you. Things like that. Some of them were things like, your looks will fade, but don't worry, your eyesight will fade too. (laughs) But there were some very special ones as well. Like, always say your prayers together. Always cook dinner together, always dance in the kitchen together, which we've tried to do. But the one I remember the most was written by a woman named Ellen. She had lost her husband just a couple of years earlier, and her little piece of advice that she wrote on her sheet of paper said, always say, I love you. You never know when it will be the last time. Always say, I love you. You never know when time will run out. When we think that God is calling or planning for something in the future, we take this time, this day, this gift for granted. And God is calling us here and now to love and serve our neighbor, to love and serve those people around us in need, to reach out and care for those people in our families, in our church, and in our world. How much time do you think we have wasted taking time for granted? How much time have we wasted thinking, oh, I'll, I'll ask for forgiveness some other time? How much time have we wasted thinking, oh, there'll be another day when I can help that person on the street corner? How much time have we wasted hating someone else just because they're different than us? How much time have we wasted being prejudiced to somebody just because they're different than us? Oh, how much time we've wasted when God calls us here and now to be loving, to be caring, to be sacrificial and generous, just like Jesus Christ was. Years ago, Just before he died, Martin Luther King preached a sermon called The Urgency of Now. And this is what he said. He said, love is somehow the key that unlocks the door which leads to ultimate reality. And let us hope that this spirit of love will become the order of the day. History is cluttered with the wreckage of nations and individuals that pursued this self-defeating path of hate. But we are now faced with the fact that tomorrow is today. We're confronted with the fierce urgency of now. The urgency of now. The urgency of this moment, of not taking time for granted, not taking each other for granted, but living lovingly and generously to help those people around us in the world. Too often we take God for granted. Too often we take time for granted when what Jesus Christ calls us to do is live right here, right now, as citizens of that kingdom come. For as Jesus said, it is coming. It is at hand. 
And if we will hear and now live as citizens of that kingdom come, then it might just transform us. It might just transform the world around us. I'm not serving as a confirmation mentor this year, and I often think about my confirmation when I was uh, just in middle school myself. It was led by our minister, Ed McLeod. He taught all of the classes, and I can't tell you how thankful I am for our confirmation teachers who teach our classes here. But I remember there was one day in our confirmation class where Ed asked us all to write down questions that we might have, any question we might have at all about our faith or about God. And, and he would take those questions and research them and bring back answers the next week. And so we wrote down lots of different questions, as you might imagine, curious minds that we had. We wrote down things like, why are the dinosaurs not in the Bible? We wrote down things like, why is Jesus' birthday on December 25th and not January 1st. We wrote down some tough questions too. Questions about abortion, questions about the death penalty. Lots of tough questions for our pastor to try to answer. But the one I remember the most was a, a one student asked, does the Bible really tell us when the world is going to end? The next week, Ed came back with an answer to that. He pointed to the passage that I just read to you a little bit ago. We don't know the day or the hour. And so all those people who are predicting when it will come, they are most likely wrong because Scripture tells us we don't know the day or the hour. But as students, we didn't let him get away with that. We were like, yeah, but the Bible's got to tell us something. We were fearful and worried about the days to come, like that doomsday clock we keep hearing about. We were worried and we wanted to know some sense of, of comfort of when, what will be the signs of when that day comes. And so Ed answered our questions with a question of his own. He said, well, if you knew that this week was the last week of your life, would you do anything differently? Well, almost immediately, we all said, well, yes, I would do something differently. I would forgive my brother for all the things he's done for me. I would reach out and call my grandmother and told her I loved her. I would not wait to help those people around me in need, but I would try to be more generous with my time and my energy. I would forgive and I would ask for forgiveness. And even guess what? I would enjoy life a little bit more and not take this world for granted. We would talk for several minutes about all the ways we would change our lives if we knew that our last day was just a few days away. And after talking about all the ways we would change our lives, Ed simply asked us, then what are you waiting for? Jesus says, get ready. Stay awake. Seize the day. The time is now. This is not about the past or about the future, but this is about today, about not taking God for granted, about not taking time for granted. Live as if this is our moment, this is our time to help those around us in need, to love and serve as children of God. That's what Jesus calls us to do, to use our time wisely, to not take our time for granted, and to not take each other for granted. And so I guess our only question is, what are we waiting for? To the glory of God. Amen.